Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. Hey guys, welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Pritchard and I are here alone today. Oh, Melissa's sad. not with us. Sad. But we're still going to carry on with yes. another great episode on what is resourcing. Mm. So we want to break down to a very like foundational, fundamental level of what is resourcing. Because with that knowledge and awareness then gives us the opportunity to build upon that and individualize those resources to what it is specifically that the client needs mm. um, and, and be able to identify from their experiences what gaps exist that we can help with the MDR kind of fill in and support. Yeah. Um, resourcing is an interesting, uh, just within the eight phases um, in the preparation, what is happening uh, still in the intersubjective space with um, the client and therapist is still largely, especially if we're doing just classic EMDR, that's what they came to us for. Yeah. It happens pretty early. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right and at the beginning. So that's such a strange, uh, or I guess it can be a strange way for them to be introduced to us as yeah. the therapists. You know, here, we're going to go through this protocol um, called resourcing and mm-hmm. set it up that way. Whereas for me, I, I really do like to do um, very light intro into what it is um that we're going to do here together as Mm -hmm. therapist and client and what what are we working on and how do we go ahead and um start the process of becoming uh, a resource like the therapeutic alliance becoming a resource and so to me when we talk about resourcing i want us to nuance what is just installable (laughs) resources versus what are uh, just therapeutic resources and then what uh, uh is outside even the room um, as resources to the client. And that's where I want to shift in in discussing what even is a resource yeah. because the the toolbox of resources that you're given at the basic training, like Complace, Container, Lightstream, Nurturing yeah. Figure. Power, power figure or supportive figure, yes. protective figure. Uh-huh. Yes. So those are resources, but they are not all encompassing. Like that yep. is not the broad idea of what resources are. Those are an example. Yeah. But what does it mean? Like, what do we mean when we're saying we're resourcing an individual? Mm-hmm. Or we're like giving them resources or calling upon their existing resources. Yeah. And really getting an understanding of like what that actually means so that then we can use the toolbox strategically, but also create yeah. new ones. Yeah. And that's the other piece I want to get to today is walking everybody through like this is how I in my practice will create resources very individualized and specific to the individual yeah so just for the listeners can we maybe talk about where we would like this conversation to go because I think with the creative resourcing that we do as a practice Mm -hmm. there we could spend hours just on talking about those so what do we want to kind of go into today um, specific to resourcing what did you have a couple of things in the last two episodes I want to revisit okay so the neurobiology aspect of what resourcing is Um, fantastic yes and i know you'll light up at that and get very excited (laughs) yes but i want to start there okay i think of of revisiting and kind of summarizing the last two episodes in the way that we've talked about state change trait change Mm -hmm. resourcing like those the pieces of that yeah yeah and where within the three-prong protocol where does a need for resource come from yes yeah that's fantastic yeah and then 
um, from there kind of shifting into how do we continuously use it. So yes, in the eight phases, um, it's at the beginning. It's technically it's phase two. We teach that we should do it phase yeah. one, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but but in all reality, it is all through in my practice, all yes, throughout absolutely. every single phase, always. Yes, I'm we always looking for where can we add additional resources or call back to yeah. already installed resources. Like, literally, in every interaction uh-huh. that is in my head of mm-hmm. is this a new resource? Yeah. This, this exact second I just had with them, is yeah. that something that we could install yeah. or is building upon adaptive so networks? Th- I think this is going to get into the neurobiology and I want to see where, when you're in your uh, therapist, like thinking space okay. during a session, what is it that you are relying on to know what a resource, when a resource needs to be installed, how to identify mm. what those resources are? Like, what is it in your mind that is saying, oh, we're, we're talking about a need for a resource right now. We're highlighting a need, or maybe this could be a resource. What are you thinking mm. or feeling in that space? So it comes from understanding their history mm. a little bit. So see how do we break this down the way i'm able to pinpoint and identify like oh this could be a resource for this individual yeah. or as a needed resource is really understanding the attachment or yeah. development well their conceptualization as a whole yes yeah their right. case conceptualization yes mm-hmm. so and, and we talk about that with the sip lens yeah. oh do we have a training on that we do that's crazy <laughs> a whole model. oh wow weird <laughs> so i would say that informs a lot of it for me which is hard yeah. to like give that in, in summary right here in this moment but yeah that informs all of it for me as to what did they have in the past as far as resources, adaptive material that we want to grow and build upon, or what did they not have that we need to create and generate in that moment. And so that's you sitting in the space. What about when it is at the beginning of a therapeutic relationship? Mm -hmm. Do you have in that preparation phase, okay, today we're going to do nurturing figure. I used to. Okay, yes. I, this is what I want to talk about is how have you grown into a space where yeah. now you let it emerge? Yes. Um, and I, I still would even sometimes advise people to use the strategy of here are the ones we always do, yeah. right? I don't think that that's necessarily wrong, but it was coming from that that says, okay, my go-to is always going to be everybody needs a calm, safe place yeah. or a neutral space yeah. or something. And everybody needs a container mm. and everybody needs a nurture and a protector. That yeah. was kind of my mentality before. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily off or wrong, but what happens is that really when we're starting out, if we're focused more on what's emerging in the relationship yes. between me and them, mm. it gives me everything I need in that moment when I can stop and look at how are they responding to me? Yeah. Um, how do they react? What's their level of activation in coming to therapy as they talk about their past? When I ask them like about their family, what, what do I see happen right mm. there? What do I feel happening? Gives me all the information I need to say like, oh, this is the kind of resource this individual could utilize. Yeah. So when you're pointing at that of this is the kind of resource this individual could utilize, what, how do you make sense of that um, in your conceptualization of the person and in their neurobiology? What do you mean? How do I make sense of it? What does it mean for them to need a resource and have one emerge in the session to say, this is one we could use? I don't I don't know if my answer is answering your question okay. or not, but I'll go with it anyway. Um, looking at when something adaptive is experienced mm-hmm. between us, yeah. 
anything adaptive or they report on something adaptive outside of session, um, that is going to be kind of go into my package of possible, I mean, those are resources, right? So anytime the individual is experiencing something adaptive, it's a new resource that's, you know, experienced. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not we target that and install and strengthen it with EMDR resourcing, quote unquote resourcing, Mm -hmm. that will determine on the necessity of it from their past. Like, is that something that they're able to easily draw upon and they don't need any other support in that? Or is there something adaptive that's experienced that as we look at their past is kind of a new experience. Mm. Mm. The idea of they can come into a space with me and begin to feel um, curious about a, a relationship with me. Mm. That might be a new adaptive experience for them that could be installed as a resource um, depending on what their history has been. Yeah. To me, I love that the, the way of watching it naturally emerges from the case conceptualization. Mm-hmm. That's how you know what is a resource for the person and where there are still needs yeah. for continued resourcing and for more support to be added yeah. to the system. And when we do with the SIP model, um, for those of you who have taken the training or mm-hmm. interested, we have this process of kind of mapping. Mm-hmm. Our, we call it our Venn diagram of its attachment neurodevelopment, somatic psychology, and adaptive information processing. As we map that, it just illuminates the gaps that mm-hmm. exist. And so you can almost on paper like, yeah. see like, oh, here's some oh, areas. resources needed here, here, and here. Resources that already exist mm-hmm. to draw upon are here, here, and here. Yes. And so being able to kind of map in whatever form, whether you use our Venn diagram or in another case conceptualization approach, yeah. to be able to see the case in front of you shines tremendous light on yeah. is it just these standardized resources that we use or how do we choose ones that are going to be really impactful yeah. for them and i think um you know one of the things that those three Venn, those three spheres of the venn diagram have in common is interpersonal neurobiology that is in and throughout um our uh venn diagram and when we start talking about resourcing what that means neurobiologically is that there is a sort of an, an unveiling of a um, various kind of experience that happened in the past where the person ran out of resources. Their autonomic flexibility or their um, internal capacity for affect tolerance and integration was found to be not not substantial enough. <laughs> and so when we identify it in that way, we're able to then say, oh, there's more resourcing that can happen here because they don't have that resource in and of themselves to be able to do it just naturally mm-hmm. or to be, be able to bring it forward, which is why they're struggling. Yeah. Um, that to me is how I understand the neurobiological um, justification for resource installation. Mm-hmm. So walk through with that same explanation, walk through like a specific resource. So if you were to take, let's just do the, you know, everybody knows sure. place. Yeah. Right. Right. So in that space, um, well, okay. Can we kind of differentiate? Because I think commonplace and container function differently in the yeah. system than do um, a, a type of figured resource, okay, such like as like nurturer. nurturer or protector or yeah. yeah, rescuer, something like that. So with, let's just use those two distinctions as, as we can. So to me, when we're thinking about calm, safe place or container, what we're doing is introducing an internalized experience of affect regulation. Mm-hmm. 
So the calm, safe place or the neutral space, whatever you end up finding with the, your, your client, you're teaching their, you're, you're showing their body their own ability to uh, yes. pendulate between yeah. uh, distressing experience and a moment of regulation mm-hmm. or of breath. So in that way, you're internalizing a new strength, uh, a new skill mm-hmm. of, uh, of pendulation yeah. and of even just finding shelter in and amidst the the intolerable affect. Yes. Um, with a container, even more so, you're now giving them a symbolic representation of something that can handle mm-hmm. their greatest distress mm-hmm. so that when they leave they don't feel unprepared yeah. or they're less likely to feel unprepared. A way to titrate exactly. the intensity. Yes, and to be able to then capture it in a way that can bring it back into a space that's co-regulated so you can then lean on the resources of the therapist mm-hmm. to continue processing through that information with you. Yeah. So that to me are the containing slash affect regulating um, neurobiological resources that we could install. On the other side of the aisle, where you now have figured resources, these are, to me, representations of qualities and abilities that um, create affective experience mm-hmm. in the person. So a rescuer uh, or the protective figure. Yeah. That, to me, brings into the space through an imagined other mm-hmm. a level of strength and uh, resilience that can um, shield or defeat or help the person to defeat or, or do something that is going to rescue them or get them out of the harm's way that they are processing through in their, in their emotion or in their mind. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? S- say that last part again, cause it's, it's bringing up conflicting thoughts for me. So okay. I'm going to process. Well, and the, to me, it's, I'm just highlighting what neurobiologically a resource could be doing uh-huh. in that your imagined other yeah. which is the figure that you're installing or yes. you're thinking of installing, holds for you the quality or the ability that you needed yeah. in yeah, that okay. space. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're doing, you know, if you needed to be rescued or shielded or protected, mm-hmm. we can install, we can create and install a resource, right. even if you didn't have one. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you needed to be nurtured, we can do that. If you needed to be, um, you know, connected with or, mm-hmm. or whatever the, the need was that would make that affect um, tolerable and in, able to be integrated. Which I think what was coming up in my mind is in many ways that's like it's one step removed. It's still doing the same thing as like a calm, neutral place. Is it still introducing, it's, a, it's initiating or igniting an affect response. Well, so I want to talk to you about the ways that you use these resources because mm-hmm. I find this to be so different across uh, different therapists mm-hmm. for some, for me, especially when I was first trained and then just in my experience of other clinicians, um, calm, safe place and container are let's, let's stop the uh, internal experience of the affect and go to this place of, of containing and more regulation and calming. Mm-hmm. So it's almost mm-hmm. like a teleportation. Yeah. Whereas with a resource that is more geared towards a figure. We're bringing it into. Into and can then stay in the activation for resolution and release. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yes, that is how I practice them. And I think it's kind of taught in that way that those figures are about moving it into the way that that experience has been stored. Yeah. In the mind and in the body and having that a shift of affect response. Yeah. 
to that new um, like imagined experience. Right. So being able to imagine having someone in co- someone come in and protect you shifts your affect response of not feeling in complete threat and desperation, but to feel more safe and secure yeah. in that. Because to me, uh, looking at um, just what is in the person's kind of now newly developed adaptive network, the strength of a internalized and then evoked resource mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. a figure is going to help them feel more prepared to handle situations in the future yeah. and to be able to integrate their their past memory. But where there were moments of, I need to contain this or use my calm safe place, to me that is still a space where, okay, when it feels safe, maybe we can come at it with more resources, mm-hmm. the yeah. same memory or the same experience that we were trying to process. It's not done just because we went and used our container. And that is the difference when we're talking about resourcing and state change and trait change. Yeah. Right. So the state change will happen by when using we say, a container or yeah, a calm safe There's place. activation mm-hmm. here. Let's move away from that activation. Like in in an intentional way, we're going to move away from that, kind of pause that and shift our state into feeling something more calm. The trait change is when we're going to stay in that activation and introduce a figure of some sort or something that offers something that was not available at the time Mm -hmm. and to have that really installed into your system of having that new, that that new need, that need being met. Yeah. I had a client who was a... um... I'd be interested to hear what you think of this, but a client who was um, a 17 or 18 year old boy um, and we were working on the calm safe place, but we had kind of done that already. It was a lake scene that he had when he was younger um, where he caught a fish and um, had a live well in the boat and just was had enough fish for the day, but didn't want to go in yet. So he was just kind of hanging out and felt so just connected to nature and so just just washed over with that kind of rest and breath. Um, but then we developed another calm safe place because, um, have you seen the movie gladiator? No. Okay. It's a, just like movie with Russell Crowe. Um, this kid's one of this kid's favorite movies. Um, but there's a scene where before the gladiators go out into the Coliseum, they're in this room of like helmets and Mm -hmm. shields and weapons and things like that. And so when we were going to deal with the traumatic memory, he wanted to go for um, a protective figure, which was Russell Crowe yeah. in that movie. And the new calm, safe place for that part of himself was that war room. Mm-hmm. So it still had, he said, it, it was different than just the protection. It was also about um, the the feeling so prepared. Hmm. That like his system could accept calm yes. as okay. Yeah, as prepared and I'm safe. Prepared. Like I'm not going to... I can handle whatever's going to come out of there. Yeah. One, because I've got Russell Crowe, but also I've got all of this gear mm-hmm. and all of these weapons and, and all these things that I can prepare myself with. And so I can handle anything. Yeah. yeah. That's a very different type of, yeah. that, that gets to a different root of what is calm, safe place. Yes. But that is eliciting more of that. I would say that trait change yeah. experience. Because he didn't, the... The calm, safe place of the lake scene didn't make sense to him right. to use when we were talking about the type of traumatic memory that we were talking yeah. about, which was abuse. He he didn't want to mix those two. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't want that. And so we just stayed creative in that space together and came up with the war room mm-hmm. before Russell Crowe rushes out and defeats yes. all the guys. And, it's yeah. a, a lot like when I do ego state work, yes. of creating a specific calm place or safe for place each for part. each part. Yeah. 
it's a different kind of resourcing. It's not just a state change of, oh, that part's feeling a little activated. Why don't you send them to that, like bring up that calm place to feel more calm in that. But it's offering this space of that part has a space to go into to feel fully safe yeah. all needs being met yes um, and that being integrated into their system yeah. is... and it led to so much um community as well mm-hmm. because as he thought about there's other gladiators in here and oh, they're yeah. all ready to go tackle the same thing and he had this now like battalion of gladiators that was ready to go through each new memory with him and just start tackling these things. You know, in traditional calm place, um, it's encouraged that there's no other figures there, yeah. like no, no other people. Yeah. And for so many of my clients, that that alone is an activating yeah. thought. I'm or, alone. or it's it's the re like reaffirmation of being alone is your only way to be safe. Yeah. Well, and I think neurobiologically, it would make sense that the intention of the calm safe place would be able that no matter what you would be able to retreat into a space of refuge. Mm -hmm. You don't need another person. But for me and my resourcing with clients, they want people. Well, and when you're talking about an activated child part, there's, there's no child that's going to feel safe alone. alone. No, no, that doesn't make sense. They're they're supposed to have another person. Right. So can you imagine the 17 year old kid who this stuff happened when he was, you know, younger six mm-hmm. seven years old five right. years old and now he's got all of these really strong supportive camaraderie based men yeah. that are now ready to go fight his battle with him yes like he's just like no these are my this is my strength these guys yes yeah and the messaging that that sends of like his worth and his value oh. and oh it's, it's all so beautiful yeah mm-hmm. but so when we talk about the neurobiology of resourcing you know it's not it is not just what we typically think of when we think about yeah, it's so much. EMDR and, and the toolbox. It's not just giving them a couple of tools for them to tolerate the reprocessing, but it is literally what we are going to draw everything yeah. from. Everything. That's how I, yes, I think, and that's how we just as a practice view resourcing is we are, we are always, and I love the message this sends as a therapist to a client of I'm always looking out for what can help you feel more prepared yeah, and and able to then introduce that into your system in our intersubjective relationship Mm -hmm. that we can then go on and tackle anything. So how about this thought, Bridger, that some of our clients' symptoms are their best resources? I, that's an amazing thought. What What are you thinking? (laughs) I mean, it just feels so true that for as we you guys have heard us talk about their symptoms their presentation are their adaptations right and so that was what they learned this is the best thing i've got so i i I just want to uh share a very vulnerable moment of um my first placement was with um homeless um men men experiencing like internship yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and sorry, some people think like foster care. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sorry. No. My first placement uh, as a therapist uh, was in a mission and um, there was this moment and I'm just, you know, just still in, it was actually my practicum, not just internship, but mm, practicum, like first, first, wow. first thing. Um, and I was sitting with a man that I would sit with every day at the same time. Um, and he had been uh, diagnosed and medicated for schizophrenia for decades. And he wasn't in a violent space at all. But one of his favorite spaces was with one of his figures. Hmm. And we did um, 
it wasn't EMDR, but it was just um, self-compassion guided meditations. Mm -hmm. And we used the feeling that he would get with that figure in his room at the mission with two bottles of water and a Coke for later. Oh my gosh. And that the two bottles of water was one for him and one for the figure and they would share the Coke. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, I think some people would be like, you're encouraging the fragmentation of the system. Maybe we are. Yeah. (laughs) In some context. Yes. That might be what's needed to be okay. And that if you think about that, man is still in a really unsafe situation in his life. Yes. He needs those resources. Yeah. So to try to like rip those away from him. The delusions are delusions. You can't trust them. And my favorite relationship is with this delusion. Oh my gosh. And, and, and really that's the moment I feel connected and seen and validated. And so if that has to be created in my own mind to get that feeling, like, I don't know if that's such a bad thing. Yes. And one of my favorite, um, uh, mentors in graduate school, their kind of catchphrase was just, just go with it, (laughs) just go with it. And so just going through that with them and uh, the director of the program, after he and I started working together, the director of the program would check in on him and say, like, Bridget, what have you been like? He's happier. He's more joyful. Oh, he's yeah. more calm. Like, why? What are you doing? Hmm. And I was just like, I'm just going with it. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Just going with it. I don't know. Like, it seems cool. You were already primed for EMDR. That's right. Just go yeah. with that. Just go with that. Just notice that. <laughs> uh his body seems to regulate when he thinks of this delusion. And so we set up a space where that's going to be more likely to increase his overall mood and feeling of safety. And the guy was just like, interesting. Yes. (laughs) But I, that's such a good story to express this. And and really like that idea of their symptoms are the adaptation that they learned at some point in time that they needed. Now there are times where that symptom is standing in the way of what they want out of life and really like, can creating we distress. Talk about borderline. Oh man, borderline DID. Uh-huh. Bipolar. All of, All of it. Yes, yes. Of these figures that their system is so fragmented that to talk about an internalized figure, there are already ones there mm-hmm. right. that are active and are challenging the reality of the person. Um, that the figure is saying, "I actually am the reality," mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in those types of so severely fragmented systems resourcing has to get very creative yeah yeah going with not challenging too much but also saying let's get some more regulation in here just a very delicate process so you know just even asking myself what would that be like to take someone who shows up with borderline tendencies and say those are resources in some light and how do we draw and, and depend upon those, mm-hmm. but be able to determine when is it helpful and necessary versus when is it? One of the main resources that I go to with Borderline is their resourceful parts. Mm-hmm. Because the amount of creativity their system has to find, it is codependence mm-hmm. that they're finding. But still, they're getting their needs met in some way. So how yeah. can we start to meet that part, validate its intention which is to find safety no matter what, yes. even if it means that I could, um, you know, be a slave to someone else. At least I'm safe. Yeah. In in my mind. And and usually when you look at their past, thank goodness. Yes. They had that. Yes. And so really validating the resourceful parts mm-hmm. and creating that as a resource, and then helping them see that the things that they use to find resourcefulness and regulation, we can we can try different things. Yeah. And how to detect what is actually threat in their yeah. environment. Do yes. I need that super 
powerful resource that I have yeah. to be able to get that need met at whatever cost? Or am I really not in that much danger right now? Right. And I don't need it. And yes. I can kind of set in my back pocket yeah. for that time in life when I do. Yeah. To me, that posture is just so much more honoring to mm-hmm. the person that you're sitting across from. And it also, to me, helps you um, better be able to detect what resource is more meaningful for the right yes. reason. Yeah. For the right pairing. So if we can if we can start by looking at their symptoms as their first resources, I love right? That. That's what they and and I I want to explicitly say what I think you mean of um the resource that the symptom came as an attempt to regulate. Yes. That's yeah. what we believe. Right, 100%. That the symptom came along as a, a resource. As an attempt to get the needs of safety and lovement. That's right. And resource. so that's their first resource. Yeah. Their first I and greatest. I love it. Me too. I love viewing it that way. It sounds so good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there are people I'm sure that are just like, what? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, but if sorry. we start looking at a case there from the moment we meet them, because they come in saying, here's my symptoms. Yeah. Right. Oh, there's our map for starting to identify, okay, these are the resources they already have. Yeah. How do we build upon those? But then what are the gaps? Like the counterpart resources resources that maybe they have the resource to like dump a bunch of energy into their body and get super anxious and hyperactive. Mm-hmm, they've mm-hmm. got that figured out. Mm-hmm. But what's the counterpart to that? Yeah. Are they lacking because they've relied on that resource of increasing energy in their system? Yes. Right. So much that they are now lacking the counterpart to that of what's it like to calm down? Yeah. Well, and, and in that in specific moment. instance, one, we set ourselves as the therapist up to be a resource because Always. we're validating their symptom and the creativity of their nervous system mm-hmm. in such a way that people don't talk like that. No. Nobody's going to look at anxiety and be like, it's a good thing. Yeah. But that is what we're saying into their nervous system of, I see why you had to develop that. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When we look back into the reasons when it came along, mm-hmm. what it was going through. As your therapist and as, as somebody that's meeting you in this place... I want us to help bring balance mm-hmm. to this system and to help us let go of our over-dependence on anxiety and to find a moment of breath and rest. It's both. I'm yeah. never going to take away your anxiety without trust and showing that this space is one that we can still support your system. Yeah. I'm not going to just walk in here and rip it away from you. Because like you said, that was their first resource. Mm-hmm. Their first moment of, oh, I found a strategy that works. Mm-hmm. So we walk in and we say, no, you can't have that anymore. Yeah. You need so to stop that thought that and you system. need to, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. To instead say, I see the need for that and I'm so glad you found it when you did. Yeah. And I want us to be able to think together and feel together of what it's like to bring balance back. Because it's over. With so many, even before us kind of conceptualizing it in this language, with so many clients, I have looked at their symptoms and been able to say, like, look at how adaptive you have been in your life. And it might be messy now, but that was so adaptive for you. Yeah, it had to happen in the moment. Yes. And installing that, like, I'm an adaptable person. Yeah. So that's what I mean when I... I am resilient. Yes. When I partner with the resourceful parts of... Um, a fractured system. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. Oh yeah. I'm saying, look at how resilient you are. Yes. Yeah. And that is, I mean, I just, I just watched their posture change in that, like in uh-huh. the installation of that, of like, oh, 
oh, they get, you know, their shoulders go back a little bit. They just walk with yeah. more confidence because yeah. then it's like, okay, no matter what I come up against, if I figured out how to navigate that mess, I'm going to be okay. I got this. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it might be messy, but yeah. we're going to get through it. Yes. We can survive. I love that. Okay. Very provocative. So provocative, which is what we love to do. That's right. <laughs> That's our jam. Okay, so I want to, a couple other pieces I want to touch base on. Actually, there's a lot, but I'm going to try to yeah, go for it. narrow it in a little bit. So creating new resources. We have the toolbox mm-hmm. you know, of resources that we get from a training. And then there's tons of great books out there that introduce you to new ones, trainings that teach new ones. But how do you start and just completely creating a resource for somebody Mm. once you can pick up on this is where it's needed Mm -hmm. this is what's maybe lacking or here's a strength that we want to build upon yeah and find a more adaptive way to experience Mm -hmm. that resource or that adaptability Mm. um there's two approaches into installing that specifically and one is going through the five senses like embodying the experience Mm -hmm. connecting with the experience and going through the five senses and installing each one um, so that, that looks like having them bring to mind, um, like say yeah. the calm place, for instance, is the first one we learn like that. Right. So bring to mind that calm place and go through your five senses yeah. and install for each one. For the boy that I was talking about, the first one of the fishing, um, it was the feeling of, you know, the felt texture of the, uh, the plastic of the boat, like the side of the boat mm-hmm. and even like the water that would splash up on him. Uh, yeah. from the breeze and then the, yeah the breeze that would come in and the sun that would hit his face um, yes. and so really just getting in touch with all of that f- all of the sensory information with that and he would have like dr pepper or something yes. like that and a snack that he would bring um, and the smell of the fish mm-hmm. <laughs> and things like that he would just his body would just light up with feeling of i'm back there I remember. So yeah, it brings to yeah. life that past experience and yeah. brings it to the forefront where they're yeah. embodying it in that moment. Mm-hmm. They can feel the sun, yes. literally feel it yes. on their forehead. Yep. Um, and then installing that with bilateral. Mm-hmm. The other approach, which is one I, I would say I lean on more, um, is tapping into the image, a positive cognition emotion and body sensation Mm -hmm. so going through kind of the reverse assessment right so think of of what you would ask in the assessment yeah yeah but having them connect with it and experience tell me of a time when and then fill in the blank of whatever a time like if you're if they're wanting to embody a certain character trait Mm -hmm. um a time when you were faced with a big challenge and you were able to overcome that challenge in any way Mm. And as they give you that experience, as you bring that to mind, what image represents the strongest part Mm -hmm. of that experience? What positive belief feels true about you right now as you hold that image in your mind? What emotions do you feel? Where do you feel them in your body? And Mm. then we're installing that experience. Yeah. Um, To me, I always, I just call this creative resourcing. Yeah. When like somebody is asking me, what is that? Um, And it's where I do kind of like a hybrid of those mm-hmm. two two means um and an example that i had just this week um uh this person comes from a very complex trauma background of um different types of abuse and has developed a lot of dissociated parts mm-hmm. one of the things that and i love that this this resource just emerged totally organically in the inner subjective space one of the resource one of the things that brings the parts together in the safest integration they experience is this person's spirituality. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and it is a very um, uh, kind of litur- uh, liturgical uh, spirituality that's earth-based and, and has a lot mm-hmm. of like the crystals and, and an altar was yeah. the specific thing that, that she okay. really wanted to connect with. Yeah. And so this thing just came and we built one in her mind in the session <laughs> of just bringing all of these pieces together, all of the parts of herself. And we went with the positive cognition and emotion of what it feels like to be integrated and then what it was like to touch and to smell and to feel all of the the different pieces yeah. of building the altar together. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just love being creative with yes. the resources. And yeah. tap into any any piece, any way that their system holds on to and stores that experience. Yeah. Access it in any way possible and bring yeah. it back yeah. into the current experience. With those approaches, we can literally turn anything yes. into a resource. Mm-hmm. Anything. Yeah. It could be the walk from their car to your office. Yeah. Um, it could be sitting in front of you. And I mean, so many times it's, what was that like to share that with me? And mm. they'll say, it was scary, but it felt kind of nice. Yeah. Okay. Right there. What represents the most powerful part of that? Mm. It feels scary, but it also feels kind of nice. Yeah. And then what, what a belief feels true. Maybe I can trust people. Okay. Let's go with that. What I do you feel that. in your body right now? Yeah. I feel a little mix of... I feel good and at ease and a little uncertain. Where does that show up? Mm-hmm. And we're, that's that idea of let's install something in the intersubjective space. Let's yeah. install like what's happening right now yes. between you and I, because that is a huge resource that we're offering. Yeah, that is so, um, I, I honestly have not done the intersubjective space as a resource before. Um, and I love the idea of it because it, to me, still, um, it has all of the things I look for in a really robust resource, which mm-hmm. is um, the affect regulation, the ability to uh, evoke uh, the, the strongest part, and it is interpersonal. Yeah. To me, those are like the major pieces that I look for in, is this going to be a resource that can stand up to some of their biggest fears mm-hmm. that they experience in their daily life? Mm-hmm. And so using even just the moment of disconfirming experience as a resource (laughs) yeah i love that so that is kind of in summary what it's like to install and resource the inner subjective space yeah i really love the idea of being able to use it um in the moment like that i don't know for me i just sit more back into the posture of connecting body but just the somatic experience to the left brain Mm -hmm. um but i love the idea of even just verbally conceptualizing that as a resource quote unquote that itself was a resource Yes. Yeah. And then you add bilateral and everything's Oh, yeah. There. That's awesome. Because <laughs> yes. that's EMDR, right? Of course. Uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So really, in summary of this episode, the biggest takeaway I would love for you guys to take in this is resourcing is so much broader and more vast than what yeah. it's maybe originally taught to be or what you've thought it to be mm. all this time. Yeah. And it's something that's ongoing constantly yeah. and we're always aware of. Um, and we're bringing it into every phase of the eight phases. Like it's not just an isolated phase yeah. that we move past, but it's a piece of every phase that we're doing with our clients. Right. And I think in that it, it can be so creative. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just have to be on a scripted toolbox. Yeah. Um, go, you know, use these to uh, support the system. It can be whatever the client wants it to be, needs it to be, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And so, so just letting your right brain run wild with what ideas could come into the space. Absolutely. 
Maybe someday we'll do a little one-day training oh. for an EMDR advance credit on that. I mean, that's been uh, that's been the track record. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of what we this do. Point, we just create trainings now. That's a good one. I love resourcing that. Resourcing is so important. Yeah, advanced resourcing. Yes. So speaking of EMDR trainings, what? we're going to wrap up with a couple of um, opportunities to share with you guys. Uh, Melissa and I are going to be offering two live EMDR trainings kind of towards the end of this year. So if you're listening to this, likely you're already trained. If you're not, please come. Yeah. But also keep in mind all of your colleagues that you know that are interested in getting trained. Yeah. Um, if they want to come to a live training with Mel and I, the first one is going to be in Miami, Oklahoma. Little tiny town, if you want a nice Good rural Mexican experience, food, delicious Mexican food. <laughs> yes, it's going to be August 2nd through the 6th, and we actually only have about three, maybe four seats left. Oh, wow. It's so up like crazy. if you want that one, um, email us right away, and yeah. we can get you the registration link and try to get you plugged into that. It's a beautiful facility. It is. There. Yeah, yeah. and it is kind of nice that it is out in the middle of nowhere, quote unquote, because then yeah. breaks, you just get to go walk outside to a tree and nature. a little prairie right there. Yes. It's really nice. I think there's some like buffalo in the yeah. field across. Yes. Yeah. Bison. Bison. I don't know. Right? I don't know. I never know. It's pretty neat though. It is beautiful. The yeah. other training that we're doing is September 16th through the 20th. And that one is here in Springfield, Missouri, where we are from. And we'll be in our healing center. Yes. Like, um, we're getting a new Fingers building. Fingers cross, 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 cross. Yes. It's in looking good. new building which hopefully it will be fully decorated and beautiful by then. But yes. even without decoration, it's beautiful. <laughs> yes, it is. So Very come cool. come uh, see us in person and do a live training with us or share this resource with somebody else. Yeah. Another thing that we wanted to talk about um, is the retreat services that we offer. We are getting a ton of inquiries um, from all over the place, which is so awesome. And I'm so glad that just even talking about it on these podcasts can get mm -hmm. so much interest. Um, and we've really had a hard time knowing the three of us, how are we going to do all of this? Yeah. How do we support all these retreaters? Yeah. This is, this is impossible. And so we have uh, been very careful in identifying some clinicians that we feel would do a really good job with this yeah. and inviting them to a training that we've developed for the retreat model. Speaking of developing trainings, <laughs> uh, a, a training that we've developed for the retreat model. And uh, we are getting ready to do that here soon. So that means that we will have multiple um, trained EMDR therapists that are able to uh, provide the same type of yeah. uh, quality retreat that we like to think that we do. Yes. Um, and that uh, retreats from that perspective then uh, can do, we can do a lot more, but still use the same, um, the same facilities that we, that we have available and some of the same um, therapy options, which are things like art therapy, um, uh, massage therapy, yoga therapy, mm -hmm. uh, EMDR and, uh, traditional psychotherapy. And so that can be anywhere from one day to up to five whole days of, yeah. uh, intensive, um, kind of curated healing, uh, around the, the therapy services that you choose, uh, and would like to have an experience with. Yeah. And I'll tell you, these other clinicians we're working with are incredibly talented yes. um, individuals and, and we're working alongside to kind of mentor, train them, mm -hmm. um, oversee their, uh, them providing these services. And so they're people that we interact with very regularly and yes, feel really good about offering lot. this. Yes. Yeah. So for those of you who have been reaching out about retreats and maybe been told like, hey, you're like looking at six months from now. 
this is going to fix that problem. Yes. So we're really excited about it. Um, so send your inquiries about trainings um, to our email. You can find us on the website for more information. And if you are a clinician that wants to experience a training and then learn how to offer those mm-hmm. or something like that, um, that is another service we'll have coming available soon. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we hope that you uh, take advantage of those resources and we look forward to seeing you in an EMDR training um, and also just around Beyond Healing Center. Yes. Um, Thank you guys. Take care and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to noticethat at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time.